back It feels like I've been talking to myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words then maybe it's not true Good morning. Welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Tuesday morning means Ross Gregory is here. Good morning, Ross. Good morning, Steve. Morning, everyone. Good to see you, mate. And uh, the uh, the tickets are on sale for Wembley, Ross. It's uh, it's uh, interesting to watch uh, the social media uh, stuff going on about this. I don't want to drag it on too much. We've spoken a lot about tickets over the last uh, over the last couple of days. Just want to ask you uh, your feelings on on the allocation and how they've done it. Um, seems to be. The consensus of opinion seems to be that a lot of people feel they could have done it slightly better. Um, they haven't got a far wrong, uh, but maybe season ticket holders should have been first, like they had been in the past. Um, yeah, you know, what's your what's your views, Ross? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where everyone's um, going to have an opinion on it, and whatever the club had done, they wouldn't have been able to keep everybody everybody happy. Simply, you know, the the, the clamour for tickets, the 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 demand for them. Uh, far outstrips the um, the amount of of tickets to the allocation that Newcastle have been given. I don't think there would was a was a silver bullet here. I really don't think there was a there was a um, there was a, a a way of doing it that would have pleased everybody. That would have satisfied everybody. Looking at it, kind of trying to look at it objectively. I think it's as close as as they could have they could have got to. Um, to, to being fair and, and, and satisfying the, the majority of people and being fair to, to those who've who, yeah who, who've attended games who've had season tickets who've got who've built up their points um their loyalty points it, it there wasn't a perfect a perfect way of doing it but I think it's as is as close as what they they could have done but like I say not everybody's going to be happy some people are going to miss out who feel like they they, they deserve tickets and um and you know have, have supported and followed the club for for X amount of years. Unfortunately, you know, there's only 32, 33,000 tickets, and and like I say, you know, we could be, we could be looking at it, it selling double that, probably triple that. We, you know, Newcastle could could have potentially sold out Wembley themselves. Never mind, um, never mind with with the Man United fans in there and the corporates and everything else like that. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but um, I I really feel for the club on this one. I think the there's very little little wiggle room for them, and I think it's I think it's a fair, fairly fair um, way that they've they've allocated the the the, the Wembley tickets. Yeah, it, look, it, it's always going to be uh, you know bone of contention, and you know I, I I just think ultimately they've tried to reward people who've been to the Carabao Cup games, but I think when you see individual circumstances, I, I, I'm I'm getting inundated as you would imagine from from people who've got maybe lines of complaint. Uh, one guy in particular had a season ticket holder, uh, been a season ticket holder for 39 years um, through no fault of his own, work, family. Hasn't been able to get to a Carabao Cup game this season. Um, feels it's incredibly unfair. The 39 years of loyalty means nothing because somebody who has bought a season ticket um, when the takeover went through and has been to the Carabao Cup games this year is allowed to go and get a ticket before him. Um, now, ultimately, I would agree. And, and again, it's only when you get the it's only when you get the facts and, and you work it all out. It looks like there's 35,000 season ticket holders. I've seen, again, an unsubstantiated email, um, email 
screenshot going round by one of the well-known ITK accounts, uh, saying that there's it's from from somebody at the ticket office confirming that there's thirty-five thousand season ticket holders. Now, if that's the case, that means that everybody in that first well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday applications should all get tickets. So that means the guy who has got the complaint that that's emailed me will get a will get a ticket, but. I guess he's not going to get the first choice of tickets. You know what I mean? So, again, it's an impossible situation. Um, and and the, the new owners will get a, a level of criticism from from certain parts of the fan base for this, I guess. Yeah, the, the, the will. There the would have been criticism, what, whatever they've done. If they'd, if, you know, if they'd gone just on, on pure season tickets and nothing to do with, with you know, Carabao Cup um, attendance this season, they would have had criticism for that. They would have had criticism if they didn't take into account um, you know fa- the, the fans who travel to away games and and uh, you know if if you if you come down to Southampton for example or or down to to, to Tranmere there, there wasn't a there was a, a really difficult way of of doing it. I, I sincerely hope that the, that pretty much every season ticket holder will um, will get one. Um, the, every season ticket holder won't apply for a, a, a Wembley ticket. Um, you know, there'll be some people who don't want to go, who can't go for for whatever reason. But at the same time, you know, those people who can't go or don't want to go, I'm guessing the majority will still um, will still apply for them and then look to to pass them on to friends or family or relatives or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, I know a couple of people um, who've who've got them who've got tickets because they've they've taken um, they've taken the season ticket of somebody who didn't want to go as well. So. I'm hoping that with with everything that um, that comes out, yeah, I've I've heard the same as you, Steve. Thirty five thousand season ticket holders. I was told that you know pretty much around the semi final date as well. So before the, even the allocations came out, I was told that Newcastle had had around thirty five thousand season ticket holders. Um, I don't know what the makeup of that is in terms of you know what corporate element is is involved in that, if any, or if that's if that's added on because obviously Newcastle will need to. To satisfy some of their their sponsors and corporate um, corporate season ticket holders as well, so it's a really really difficult job. It's a really difficult balance, and that made even worse, obviously, or even more difficult by the fact that it's twenty four years since since Newcastle were um, were at this stage. I'm, I'm I've been thinking back, Steve. I can't remember. I don't know if you can, but I can't remember what what the situation was like back in ninety eight, ninety nine. Can it? No, nah, I kind of I don't know if it's because it because there wasn't the there wouldn't have been the volume of season ticket holders then maybe um, um you know whether whether there was only kind of the thirty thousand ish and not everybody applied but I can't remember having having any issues. That said, there wasn't Twitter, there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't all these social media accounts with 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 everybody's gripes and complaints and and or or, or you know. Or, or the opposite kind of cropping up, and you've been more aware of it. So I can't remember what the what the, the how they allocated them in in ninety eight. I, I do. I mean, just speaking to different people, it was season ticket holders. I'm not even sure we had the membership. We didn't have the membership scheme then. So you know what? I, again, the, the other bone of contention, I guess, from from some people's point of view, is those people who bought the original platinum club tickets uh, were promised by Sir John Hall uh, that they would have cup final tickets for ninety nine years. Um, yeah. Now. <laughs> I guess because we've been through 
a change of ownership not once but twice since those days that that unless it's on black and white um uh, you know unless it's on a, a piece of paper that somebody owns then that's not gonna that's not gonna you know be honored i, I would i wouldn't have thought but again if those people are still in those seats and, and still in those places ross i would imagine that they you know that they'll probably will get tickets for, for wembley anyway you know I thought, but like I say, I think the majority of season ticket holders, if they want to go, will 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 pretty much get there. It 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 might be a little bit tight. What's it? Yeah, Ross, I'm going to let you switch to. Uh, I'm going to let you switch to your hotspot, Ross. Your internet's died, uh, literally gone there. So I'll let you switch to the hotspot. John Askew says there've been developments regarding the land behind the Gallagher. Having seen overhead shots of the stadium, there might be scope to expand to a reasonable capacity at St James's Park. The listed buildings take up just over half of the east side of the ground. That means potentially almost one half could be developed in theory. That's huge because it could get capacity up to a decent figure. It might look strange from above, but that's not significant compared to allowing thousands more to get in. It looks lopsided as it is. Um, John, the ground renovation stories um, continue to circulate. And to be honest, I've, I have mentioned it on the podcast before, um, you know, back in the days of David Stonehouse as chief executive, I did see the plans about potentially purchasing the bu- the buildings behind the East Stand. And, you know, it was it was doable. They would incorporate the listed part of the building within within the infrastructure of any new stand on the East Stand side. And, um, you know, they would be allowed to build there. Um, you know, there's been reports that Saudi businessman owns the buildings now. So potentially that could happen. Um, and obviously the Strawberry Place development has suddenly come to a standstill, although there, we believe there are talks, I guess, Ross being, you know, had to try and re- you know resurrect that. So ground renovation and changes are still very much on the agenda. Anything at the Chronicle's office about this? And uh, I know the Chronicle are keeping a, an eye on it. What, what's the latest state of affairs with strawberry development in, in, that, you, that you're hearing? Yeah, so I, I think you know that one. Obviously, it came back into the into the public um, eye last week um, with the news that the uh, the North Tyne Combined Authority weren't going to um, that 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 had been kind of promised that, that, that I think it was around it's around about three million in public money um, to to cover a kind of what they call a viability gap in the in the re- regeneration of, of Strawberry Place. Um, so the North North Tyne Combined Authority have of yeah, Ross, your internet's away again, mate. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run the ads, mate, and then I'm going to uh, come back because um, it's spoiling a good it's uh, spoiling a good interview with you today. There's some so many good topics that I want to cover, so I'll uh, I'm going to take you out and uh, I'll let you come back in, sort your internet out, but I'm going to play the ads now. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors, Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 25 email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website skipsandbins.com, easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky's Sources, handmade in Cumbria. Uh, you can find them at mrvickies.co.uk, email info at mrvickies.co.uk or telephone 01768 Thanks to Blowhole Brewery. You can find them at blowholebrewery.co.uk. Beers brewed on the river time. And thanks to United Group Travel Limited. UK Coach Holidays, based in Morpeth. Telephone 01670 362 
0800-0460 and mobile 07957-141-654. Graham, your driver, Beverly answering your calls, looking after you on your tour. Thanks also to 3Property, who specialise in sourcing investment properties for their clients who are looking to invest in the northeast. They offer a full in-house service from sourcing the deals to managing the properties for you. They've done over 100 plus deals in the past 12 months for clients all over the UK. Give the guys a follow on Instagram, matty.patter underscore northeast property and phil.read underscore northeast property or email phil at 3property.co.uk if you're interested in getting a good property deal. Thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle, and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the videos and the technology side of things. If you want to subscribe to the channel, hit the subscribe button underneath the video today. Hit the thumb up to like the channel and click share to share to your social media. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and the rest. If you want to become a member, you pay a £25 one-off fee, and uh, you can go to the website, nufcmatters.com, and find membership pack, or put your smartphone over the QR code, and it will take you straight there. If you subscribe, we do give you a free car sticker. All you need to do is email john at nufcmatters.com, and he'll post you one out. We also support the food bank on this channel, nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk, you'll find the match day bucket where you can make a virtual donation. We've also got some events coming up over the next couple of months. First off, we've got an evening with Steve Howie at uh, the Tyneside Irish Centre, Friday the 24th of February. Tickets are available from our website, nufcmatters.com, and they are priced £15, not 50 as you can see on the poster. An evening with Nobby Solano is also at the Tyneside Irish Centre, Saturday the 25th of March. Tickets are £15. Book now at nufcmatters.com. And an evening with Frank Clark and John Gibson, Thursday the 20th of April, again at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets are £15, and you book now at nufcmatters.com. Supermac and John Gibson will also be at Felling Critic Club on the 16th of February. To buy tickets for that, contact the venue direct. We've got a whole host of T-shirts available from our website, nufcmatters.com. Uh, gives you plenty of ideas for presents, for birthdays, anniversaries, you name it. Get your Anthony Gordon t-shirts and your Wembley t-shirts today. That looks better, Ross. We're back on. We're back. I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. It's not the pictures. The picture is pixelating a little bit, but it's better than it was. So that's great. So, yeah, the list. Look, let's move on away from tickets, because I know people are getting sick of us discussing tickets. It is what it is. And good luck to everybody in their, uh, uh, you know, the, the rush to get them this week. But the ground, what, what are you hearing about the ground, Ross? Yeah. So I, I don't know how much you heard of me before I, I stopped. We heard nothing. <laughs> Fair enough. So the the North of Tyne Combined Authority of um, of been promising that they would fund the the kind of the viability gap in in the regeneration of of strawberry place, which you put money uh, three three and a half million um, of of public money, um, and that was to, to 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 kind of fund the the, the gap and um, and help develop that strawberry place with um, with offices with um, with hotels the whole regeneration of that place now because of because of everything that's happened over the last 
um, the last 12, 18 months in terms of cost of living and um, and the financial situation around around the, the globe, but but obviously impacting in, in the northeast as well. The the north of Tyne Mayor, I think Jamie Driscoll has decided that they won't be funding that gap now. They won't be putting three 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 and a half million into that gap, and that development now is on is on hold. So it's it's absolutely on hold. And uh, there's nothing that the that that is going to move forward with it initially. So what does that mean for Newcastle United? Well, there's potential that that the the club, the owners of the of the land, um, the the Newcastle Council can now come together and have a conversation about what is the best use of that land and whether it can go back into into ownership of uh, of Newcastle United, whether it's something that they can now use to to redevelop the the Gallagher end. It's a it's a really interesting development that's that's happened from from a point where we thought that um that there was there was no hope if you like for 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 developing the ground on that side because because the land had been sold because of the the funding gap because that the, the money isn't there now to to regenerate that that bit of land with the the flats and the hotels and everything else like that it becomes an option again for Newcastle United potentially to 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 buy that land and, and redevelop um St James's on that Gallagher side I think it's I think it's a huge huge story I really do I think it's a it's a massive story um we know that Newcastle need to extend and, and revamp St James's we know that the the issues that are, are there around the ground with with the um with the list of buildings on on one side and um and the issues that we had at the Gallagher so far for even for there to be a chink of light I think is a is a is a huge story, huge potential, um, potentially good news for for fans and for for Newcastle United, and, and fingers crossed that the the relevant parties can come together and work out some sort of compromise. Yeah, it's uh, it's in the it, it, it's something we need. We need ground redevelopment at Newcastle. There's no doubt about it. And um, you know there will be a clamour for tickets. And you know if Newcastle become more successful over the coming years, um, and that demand is only going to grow. But uh, we have to do it sensibly. We have to do it properly. So um, you know, let's see. You know exactly what happens over the over the course of the next um, you know few months. Certainly with some redevelopment. Anyway, a big interview today in the Evening Chronicle with. Uh, Alan St. Maximin. Um, first of all, who, who conducted the interview, Ross? Uh, I've not seen, but I'm, I'm guessing it. I've not seen this one, but I'm guessing it would have been Lee Ryder who would have done the piece. I don't, well, I, do, I don't know. It, it was it was put out last night across the Evening Chronicle, so I, I thought you might have had it at hand. But it, yeah, I mean, it, in, interesting quotes in in there about you know uh, you know from his perspective when he when he you know comes into the team he plays. You know, he, he he plays he plays his heart out, and when he's not in the team, he prays that they're going to win. Um, you know, if we're going to go into the Champions League, we're going into the Champions League together. Um, I've got to be honest, a lot of the words in there, words are words, um, actions are actions, I, I, and I'm I'm just I'm just curious to know what your opinion is with with ASM at the moment. I mean, it, you know, if you haven't had a chance to read the article, it's well worth a read, but it, it you know it, it's hard on the sleeve kind of stuff, but. I, I, I'm still not seeing that on the pitch. I know it's oh, look. It's a. It's a. He's always going to be a, a figure that that divides opinion. Um, I think he. Re, I think he's born into the area. I think you know. I, I've not spoken to him personally, but from from speaking to journalists who who do um, who do speak to ASM and, and who have had interviews and dealings with him on a on a regular question, I think he is somebody who. Who loves to be here? He's bought into the to the club and he's bought into the to the region. 
um, as much as as what you would you would hope for from a from a player. Um, his performance on on Saturday wasn't great, if we're being honest. Uh, he had an opportunity there from the start to to kind of um, to to come into the team after a, a, an absence where he's he's been on the sidelines through injury and fitness and everything else like that. It was a real opportunity for him and he didn't grasp it for me. I'm not saying he, he was the worst player on the pitch. He, he, you know, Newcastle didn't play particularly well as a as a team and didn't function as as well as they they have done. So I think it's very harsh to 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 put the spotlight completely on ASM because um, he he is suffering a, a little bit from a lack of match fitness. But you've got to take these opportunities when they when they come, and he didn't do that for me. Especially, you know, we saw the impact that Anthony Gordon made when he came on and replaced him, and and arguably did more in. In 20, 25 minutes than, than ASM had done in the in the previous in the previous hour. Um, I'm I'm somebody with with ASM, so my opinion on him on him is is that I don't and I, and I, I remember being on the show um, last summer, Steve, with you, and I said that I thought that he didn't have a he doesn't have a long term future at Newcastle. I think I would have I would have had good money on him potentially going in the summer as well. Um, he's he's a saleable, bankable asset. You can see what Eddie Howe's trying to do with him. He's trying to 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 not coach the the tricks or the skills or anything else like that out of him. But he's trying to coach, I think, some of that individuality out of him and be, make him become a, a better team player. I did read a piece on on in the Chronicle. I don't know if it's the same piece that you wrote, Steve, but that you read, Steve. But the the piece that one of the pieces that Lee did with him, where he, yeah. SM talked about the defensive responsibilities that he'd done and how he protected, how he supported Dan Byrne a bit more, and how he'd, um, he um he talked about that element. And so you could you could read in that interview that that's something that is being drilled into him by the coaching staff at Newcastle is that he's got to be more of a team player. He's got to support and do his defensive work and do the pressing and everything else like that when when required, which I firmly agree with. But I'm just wondering and interested in what everybody else thinks as well is whether that's whether you whether that takes away from from ESM and, and sometimes you've got to just let a player just go off and do his do his own thing, but it's got to be within I suppose the framework of the of the team. So um, where am I going with this? I, I I suppose I don't I still don't see ESM being a long term option for for Newcastle. I don't think he's going to be here in the next twelve months. Personally, that's how I that's how I view it. I don't think Eddie Howe firmly trusts him. I think the fact that he's brought in. Anthony Gordon is, a, is another indication of that. Um, he's a fantastic player, really talented, but I just don't think it's he suits Newcastle's setup at the minute. I think he wants to stay and he, and he would really like to be that type of player and, and have a have a really big role in a team which is clearly going places. But I just I, I can't see any way forward other than him ultimately leaving for for pastures new. Yeah, I would agree with you, mate, to be honest. There was a question asked last night in the chat about um, the game at Bournemouth. And now that Isaac's, uh, you know, recovered from uh, the protocol, um, you know, concussion that he, you know, he had to miss out on the game of the weekend, would you consider playing Isaac and Gordon at the weekend? I would, Steve, yeah, I would. I know Callum Wilson scored on on Saturday and it was great to see him back in form and, and well, or, or back on the on the score sheet. But Newcastle are struggling for goals, are struggling for creativity. There's there's no doubt at all about that. You know, they're not, not scoring the, the volume of goals that um that we saw prior to the World Cup. 
you know, Alan Shearer talked about it on, on Match of the Day, said it, it wasn't a concern, it wasn't it wasn't an issue. I think it is a little bit of a concern. I, I think it is becoming a, a bit of an issue. I think Newcastle need to be a bit more clinical. You know, we, there was two fantastic chances in that second half. Both fell to Callum Wilson, the one where Anthony Gordon played him in with that reverse pass and he didn't get his shot away quickly enough. Um, that You know, he's one-on-one he's -on -one with goal. He had to get his shot away. He let the defender get back. And then the second one again fell to Callum Wilson when... When Kieran Trippier's cross came in and he headed it straight at the keeper either side would have would have been um, it would have been a goal. So I think the Castle are struggling for, for I think they're struggling for that clinical um, output in that in the final third. They, they're going to need to score more than one or two goals a, a game at times. That, that so for me, Anthony Gordon is a, looked a breath of fresh air when he came on. Um, I would hand him a start absolutely, and if Alexander Isak is fit, I would start him as well. And that might be a little bit harsh on. On Callum Wilson, but I think Newcastle have to do something at that top end of the pitch because they're not going to be able to win every game one nil, and they're not going to keep clean sheets consistently every game like they have done. You know that that kind of runs over. The other side of it is, is Miggy Almiron, and and it might sound uh, it might sound you know harsh to to say that that Almiron you know, could do with a, 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 a dip out of the team, but his forms dipped. He was never going to keep those those standards going. Let's be honest. He was, you know, he was never going to keep scoring, bending, you know, goals into the top corner or or weaving past three or four players and slotting it in. That was never going to continue. I just wonder if if he needs a little bit of a um, a dip out of the team as well, just a, a little bit of a breather, just to, to freshen himself up as well. And you could maybe put Gordon on one side and or or Isaac on on one side and and play Isaac and, and Callum Wilson together. So I think it needs freshening up. Um will Eddie Howe do it? I'm not I'm not convinced, but we'll we'll wait and see on Saturday, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, well that's it. Uh, we'll, we certainly will. What did you make of the West Ham game then? I mean a lot of people saying that tiredness is creeping in. And and again that probably comes down to the fact that we haven't got the, the biggest squad. Yeah um you know, Tuesday night was a was a really emotional um, high octane night, the, the Tuesday night against um, against Southampton, obviously, um, and getting to that that final. I think it, it's only it's only understandable that there would be maybe a, a slight dip, and, and the performance wasn't going to be at that that level. I don't think Newcastle's levels have been has been as strong since the since the World Cup, but some of the performance has been good, and they came racing out of the blocks. Obviously, you know, could have been could have been two or three nil up inside that first first five ten minutes, and 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 looked really up for it, but then. I think you have to give a little bit of credit to West Ham. They, they came with a game plan. They set up in a particular way. Newcastle weren't um, weren't good enough to to break them down or to get through that the block that they had. Declan Rice was absolutely outstanding, absolutely outstanding, and, and showed showed the difference. I think in 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 between being a a good good mid Premier League midfielder and a, and a very good top class, almost world class midfielder. I thought he was absolutely outstanding, and Newcastle just didn't quite. Quite perform at the at the levels that they could. Bound to be a little bit tired and jaded. Bound to be a little bit after the after the Lord Mayor's show following the, the semi final um, win. And that's why I would freshen things up. That's why I think it sometimes it just needs a little bit of freshening up. We have to think as well that Newcastle will. You know, other teams are going to come to St James's Park or come up against Newcastle, and they're going to they're going to adapt their game now because Newcastle are a, a top three, top four club, and. I'm not saying they'll have worked out Newcastle, but they will. They will, you know. This is the Premier League. This is the best league in the world. This is top class coaching, top class players. They're gonna, 
Newcastle aren't going to get things as easy. I don't think as what they or as straightforward as what they had in the in the opening half of the season because teams will set up to to thwart, set up to frustrate and spoil. And Newcastle now have got to find different answers to to different questions. And they couldn't quite do that against West Ham on on Saturday. The the squad when you looked at the bench. Could bring Anthony Gordon on, but there wasn't much else to, to bring on. You, you know, your next attacking options were with Jacob Murphy and Ryan Fraser, and and you know, are they the, the levels of, of Champions League? I, I, I don't think so. Done really well for Newcastle, and been great servants, but the, the bench looked a little bit thin, and that was only with a couple of players out. So I would freshen it up ahead of uh, of, of Bournemouth, and I think um, and I think Eddie Howe might do as well. What was your thoughts on Elliot Anderson's uh, cameo at the weekend? I thought he did okay, Steve. Yeah, I thought he did okay. I thought he looked bright. He wanted to get on the ball. He wanted to, to pass it. I think he's a really good player, um, and he's he's got absolutely tons of of potential. I know there's a little bit of frustration around the, the fact that he's not getting a bit more game time, and whether he could have gone out on loan in the summer in the in the January window. Sorry, um, I think he's a. I think he's top top draw. Um, I might be wrong here because. Uh, you know, it, it depends on how how young players develop, and and you know we we've all seen young players who looked fantastic at the 18, 19 and they've just never quite kicked on. I think he's got a lot about him. I, I like the way that he demands the ball. I like the way that he wants the ball. I like the way that he tries to to play forward and try to make things things happen. Um, I thought it was a very very good cameo. Um, I don't know what what was your thoughts on it, Steve. Did you? Did... I, I thought he played well. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think what I was saying last week about him was, look, he needs an opportunity to play in the first team, not a team which has had, you know, eight changes like he did against Sheffield Wednesday. You know, and and you can judge him then. And I certainly think, you know, when you play alongside better players, then you you, you know you're going to respond. Um, and I, and I certainly think he did. He didn't look out of place. Um, I don't think he's going to get a start. Um, against Bournemouth, but you know you just you just never know. It depends what happens with injuries, suspensions, and stuff like that. You know who would have foreseen Bruno being suspended for three games? It's given people an opportunity, you know. So, uh, but yeah, look, it's great to see uh, three local lads on on a pitch as we did well, at the weekend. 100%, Fantastic, wasn't it? Hundred percent, yeah. And, and what I like as well is I like him in that three. I like him in that midfield three. I know he's played out wide a couple of times as well. When he's come on, I don't think he's a he's a wide player. I don't think he's a winger. I think he's a he's a that attacking midfielder. It was, it, you know, you, we want to see them young players come through, and hopefully, we'll get more opportunities over the next two or three, two or three games. I thought he did himself the uh, no harm at all on there uh, on Saturday with his little cameo. No, definitely not. Uh, Darren says, "Does ESM need a run of games?" Gordon looked good against West Ham, and maybe we should start with Isaac Gordon. ESM against Bournemouth, Reston, Wilson, and Miggy. Obviously, we've just been talking about that. Will a run of games help ESM? Do you think? I mean, we've been a little bit too harsh on him because of you know the fact that we've had you know you know he's had injuries as well. Yeah, I do think every every player needs a run of games. I think it's very difficult just to just to come in. You know, I haven't had 10, 15, 5 minutes here, 10 minutes there off, off the bench. He does need a, a run of games. We've seen with other players what a, a, a consistent run in the team can do for you, whether it's a Sean Longstaff or a or Miggy Almiron or or whoever it is. You know, once you you need that consistency to understand the patterns of play, to understand to just to, to to get your confidence going as well. So he absolutely does need a, a run of games for me. It's just whether he is the... <laughs> ultimately, he needs to produce very, very quickly. Unfortunately, whether that's whether that's right or not, whether that's fair or not, he does need to produce very quickly because there's competition for his for his uh, for his spot. 
you know, once Bruno comes back, you know, will Joe Linton move into that that wide midfield role, uh, that wide forward role? You've got Anthony Gordon, you've got Miggy Almiron, you've got Isaac. There's, there's lots of options there now. So I do think, to be fair to any player, that they need to have a bit of consistency and, and need to feel trusted and need to feel that they're not just going to have, you know, an hour to prove themselves or 20 minutes off the bench to prove themselves. Um, but because of the 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 competition for places, he's, he's maybe he's not going to be afforded that luxury. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, there was a question from Scott. He says, morning, lads. Great, as always. Do you think uh, everyone in period one to three will get a ticket for the final at Wembley? Scott, don't quote us on this, but yeah, I do. I do think so. Um, uh, does anyone know the real reason why ASM wears so many bandages? It does look bloody silly, let's be honest. I have really no idea. Must be, I might be a big fan of the mummy, Ross. <laughs> quite possibly quite possibly as long as it doesn't weigh him down too much but you know everyone's got their, everyone's got their little superstitions and, and things like that might be one of those but yeah I do know what you mean yeah Scott also says question for you both he says Joe Linton is two yellow cards away from being suspended if he gets a yellow card against Bournemouth on Saturday would you rest him against Liverpool so he doesn't miss the final it's a yes from me if that's the case, then then yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware. I, there is a reset point, isn't there? There is a reset point when the, the yellow cards don't count. Um, but I'll, I haven't I haven't noticed that one. I'll be honest. But if that is the case, then I would certainly be looking at um, at resting Joe Linton because he's he's far too valuable for for Newcastle in that Carabao Cup final. Trouble is, is that there's not many options. You know, with with Bruno um, being suspended that there's not many midfield options it comes back to to what I've said previously uh, on previous shows and on, and on social media as well I think Newcastle left themselves a little bit light in the midfield department after the transfer window I would have I would have preferred it was you know you've let John Joe Shelby go all it takes now is, is 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 Bruno suspended and all of a sudden it looks a little bit light in that midfield so um Joe Linton is a is, is a vital vital cog of that and if you haven't got Bruno or Joe Linton it becomes even even more of an issue. I suppose it's just weighing up whether it's more important for him to, to play against Bournemouth or to, to keep him for, for the Carabao Cup. And I personally would, would keep him for the Carabao Cup, but it will affect your, your league performances as well. Yeah, OK. Uh, plenty of questions coming in, so we'll stick with them. Morning, everyone. I'd like to see ASM on the right with Trippier behind him. Uh, would that be a bit more helpful to ASM? I mean, we know he's not the greatest of defenders. I mean, we see the, we've see we seen on TV interviews in, in uh, you know, in the past um, few months that, you know, ASM does respect Trippier. Would that help him? It might do. It might do. I, I think... There's a there's obviously a, a fashion in football now for having what we call inverted wingers, you know, where it's a left footer on the right and a right footer on the left. It it you know coaches like it because it it means that the the winger tucks in a little bit more and plays a little bit narrower out out of possession when they haven't got the ball, and also when they're in possession, it often allows for the overlap as well from, from the fullback. so you often see Miggy Almiron coming inside onto his left foot, and Kieran Trippier then overlapping, or Sean Longstaff overlapping on that on that outside, and it creates extra extra overloads and problems for um, for the fullback. so um, for ASM it, it, it may help, I, I like, you know, I'm old fashioned. I like to see a right winger on the right side and a left winger on the left side, and they get to the byline and they whip the ball back. It, it frustrates us sometimes when you do see a, a winger, whether it's ASM on the left or or, or Miggy Almiron on the right, and they get to the byline and they're on the wrong foot and they kind of put a 
crossing and you know, if you're Callum Wilson or or, or Alexander Rizak waiting for that cross to come in, it, it can be frustrating. So it might it might help it might help him certainly from an attacking perspective. But I I don't see I don't see anyhow doing that to be honest. I think he's he's keen on having the uh, a left sided player on on one side and, and the right sided on the on the opposite. Time and tide. Good morning. Says the manager should put out a team that's going to play the best and not to give players a game. They should respect that. Great show. Thank you. Alan says tiredness only becomes an issue if you allow it. Lads, we've only one game a week for the rest of the season. Our rivals will have Europe plus, so they will be more tired. Surely no excuses for tiredness. Good point. Paul, morning. Thank you for sharing the show. Uh, BT says, what do you make of the comments by Ben Dawson that he had no idea about the rumours that he had not been told of Dujan Richards or anybody else coming in for training? I've not seen that, um, but communication hasn't been a problem with the new owner so far. No, I think you have to take a little bit of, of what's said with a, with a pinch of salt. So Dujan Richards is, is, was spotted, obviously, at, at St. James's Park at the, at the weekend. Um you know Ben Dawson's coaching the the twenty ones. He's not going to be told about every every player that comes to to watch a game or every every player that they the scouting or any player that that's coming in. But equally, at times where he is told about things, he's not going to necessarily um, he's not going to necessarily tell the media what what you know what's been happening and what's happening behind the scenes and what he's been told. So um, yeah, I don't think there's a there's a major issue there with um with with communication or anything else like that you know the clubs the club seems to be running really well on that on that front and everybody's bought into the same um the same philosophy yep uh Jordy Tuvalife says how will be planning his side for the final but the question is it uh does how play Isaac Jolinton or ASM on the left hand side remember Isaac cost 60 million he is quality and he'll want to start very soon. Yeah, I, it, it, it is. It's it's what Eddie Howe gets paid for, though, isn't it, Ross? Not us. It is. It is. And I think, I think it's very difficult sometimes for a manager to look two games ahead or three games ahead, because anything can happen between now and in that cup final. You know, you can you can have all your plans in place, but it just takes one injury, one one suspension, one um, or a bit of loss of form or, or whatever. I've got no doubt in my mind that Eddie Howe knows what team that he wants to play in that cup final already and that he that he, he if he with a fair if everybody stays fit and, and injury free and everything else like that and I think he probably knows what what team he wants to play and I think if we're being honest everybody on here probably knows what team that will be as well. Um but it's very difficult for, for a manager to look two games ahead because of because you know all it takes is is you know we saw with Bruno it's you know one missed time tackle and, and you're out for three games or one missed time tackle and you're injured and you're out for, for three months. So difficult to plan. Yeah, no, it, it, it really is. Uh, yeah, eight yellow cards he's on. If he gets 10, I think it's a too much ban. Yeah, it has already uh, reset that. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Maxi play with Isaac as they apparently have a connection with training together quite a bit. Then drop Willock and play Gordon in his place, the pace of that attack. Um, I'm the same as you, Ross, uh, regarding old school wingers, says Roger. What about Man City? Sparky D says, if Man City get found guilty of breaking Premier League rules, what punishment do you think they'll get? This is this is a big news that broke yesterday, isn't it? Oh, massive story, massive story. Did um, you know the amount of people that just just as a, a bit of a side note, the amount of people we can see, we can track how many people are on on our website at different points of the day or in real time. As soon as that um, that City story broke, and a lot of our 
different titles that we've got around the country, you know. So how does it impact Arsenal with their title chase? How does it impact Newcastle with FFP? How does it impact Liverpool with you know with with previous titles that have been won? Everybody was reading about this story. You know, we could see on our on our websites that everybody was wanting to to read about it and understand what the the impacts are of um of of the charges against against Man City. So um I don't have any kind of inside knowledge or anything else like that on on what the what the sanctions will be for for City but I think I would I would be surprised if it was if it was retrospective if that makes sense I don't think they'll have any any titles or um or cups or anything else like that taken away from them which um which obviously some some supporters of of Liverpool and Man United who finished second behind City in in recent years will probably be hoping for I don't see I don't see that uh, happening. Um, they could obviously get a, a, a hefty fine, but does a hefty fine actually make that much difference to Man City? I'm not quite sure it does. The other option is is kind of a points deduction or, or starting off a, a new season with um, with with points deducted. So, and the the other one is a is the other potential punishment. I think is probably a. a a transfer ban, a, a signings ban. You know, not not able to, uh, to to sign players for one or two or three transfer windows. So there's a, there's a there's a variety of, of options open to um to to the the panel that that will be adjudicating on on this case. Like I say, I'd be surprised if it was retrospective. Um, I think it'll probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Surprised if there's some sort of points and deduction or a, or a transfer embargo. Yeah, it's um, again, you know, one rule for one, one rule for the other um, on certain things, isn't it? Uh, to be honest, and, and Manchester City have really got themselves in a bit of a pickle. But it will be interesting to see what happens. Talk as well about the um, about the Super League not going away, Ross. What did you make of that? Because we thought that was dead and buried, but we've seen we've seen stories in in recent weeks of it potentially, you know, resurfacing. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's ever been hundred percent dead and buried. I think it was it was put on on kind of hold, um, but fa- various factions around the around the rest of Europe, and if we're being honest, also in the USA as well, um, are still very very keen on this on on a, some form of of European Super League. What was what's interesting is you know you look at the spending that that the Premier League. Um, had in January and it absolutely dwarfed the other major leagues. There's just not the the. Mo- I mean, I know Chelsea kind of distorted it with what they did, but there's not the 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 finances, there's not the revenue, there's not the ability to to compete um, on transfer fees and stuff like that around Spain, around Italy, around um, even Germany that there is with the Premier League. So what that then creates is a is a is a bit of a. a a bit of uncertainty, a bit of, um, I suppose, jealousy amongst you know your, your big hitters elsewhere in, in Europe who think, how can we compete with this? How can we reel the, the Premier League back in? How can we, um, how can we create a bit more of a, a level playing field, if you like? And one of the things, obviously, that they're, they're looking at is is that European Super League because of, also because of the amount of, of foreign investment into into um, into the Premier League and into into um in particular from America you know there's no we know what the, the situation is over in America with with relegation and promotion and, and the leagues over there there's there's none of that they like to know 
what they're getting for their investment. They don't want to think, right, I'm investing three three billion pound in Chelsea, but I might not, but you know, we might not qualify for the Champions League next year. We might not have all these revenues coming. They want guaranteed revenues, they want guaranteed um finances coming into them to 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 kind of compensate them for for the money that they've they've put in initially. So I, you can certainly see why the, the European Super League won't go away. The, the various different legal ramifications that have been held behind behind closed doors and in, in courts around uh, around Europe, you know, some of that is it's very difficult to to kind of keep tabs on because there's so much going on. But I certainly don't expect the European Super League to, to go away. I expect it to come back. Maybe it's in a different form. Um but yeah, it's it's certainly not going to go away anytime soon, I don't think. No, definitely not. It's uh, one one that's going to uh, one that's going to drag on and on and on. Going back to Anthony Gordon, what was what was your feeling about Anthony Gordon's performance at the weekend? Fifteen minutes, fifteen touches, certainly got the fans out in their seats. He looked sharp, didn't he? I, I didn't realise how quick he was. Mind, he's uh, it looks like he catch pigeons. He absolutely looked he looked rapid. Um, I think. I think he, he was the, the timing of the, the the substitution was perfect. Newcastle needed that lift, and he provided that that spark. Um, he, he obviously played on that left and, and drifted inside a little bit. The the ball that he put through for for Callum Wilson was 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 fantastic. Great great um, bit of vision and a great pass through. Um, look, he's he's obviously a very good player. He's very very talented talented player. I don't think Newcastle fans have necessarily seen seen him at his at his best, um, and hopefully, Saturday's little little appearance give them a glimpse of what he what he might be able to to bring to the to the club. Um, it was certainly really really sparky sparky debut, and, and I think if he can continue that kind of that kind of impact off the bench, I think he'd, he'd probably have to have a couple of games off the bench if he can continue that. Off the bench, then he'll not be far away from a from a starting berth, and, and potentially give Newcastle something a little bit different and justify kind of the the, the massive spend on him. Yeah, I certainly think he's going to uh, you know he's going to excite the fans, and I, I genuinely think he's a uh, you know he's a player that will you know will do the business for for the Newcastle United. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Casemiro sent off for Manchester United, and it had Newcastle United fans. Uh, searching didn't it um you know searching their phones to see how many fixtures they had left obviously they've got a lot but they are appealing that it sounds like they're appealing the sending off ross that's a dangerous game to play it is it it, it is I'm, I'm if they do appeal i'm i think you've got to be fairly certain if they do appeal that they've been told that there won't be though they've been given a steer that, that that it won't impact the three games that you know the if it's if it falls through, it won't be uh, it won't be upgraded to, to four games. So, um, yeah, it, I, I think everybody was the same. Once they saw he was uh, he'd been sent off at the weekend, everyone's googling to see how many matches he's he's going to miss, how many games Man United have, have got left, and, and he's been fortunate. He's been very fortunate that it hasn't um, it hasn't meant that he's he's going to miss out on on Wembley. I've I've seen the incident briefly. I thought it was I thought it was a it was a, a definite red card, but you never know with these things if the if the appeal might. They might get it. Um, they might get it rescinded. But yeah, he's been he's been lucky not to not to miss out on on Wembley. I think. 
Yeah, definitely. Declan Rice uh, certainly created a bit of a, uh, a stir amongst our supporters as well. I think a lot of people were were very impressed with his performance uh, at the weekend. Uh, what you know, what did you, what do you make of that? And is that somebody who you would you'd like to see at, at Newcastle? I mean, a lot of talk about uh, James Madison, of course. Tielemans were being linked, you know, left, right, and centre with them. Uh, what what what's what's your thoughts? Would would you like to see Declan Rice in the black and white shirt? I think Newcastle need a, a, a absolutely top quality number six, a top top quality defensive midfielder who can break the play up, but also also um, also retain possession, also drive the team forward. Um, and Bruno does that to an extent; he does that very well. But he's he's almost two midfielders rolled into one. Is Bruno? He's a he's a six and an eight. He, he's somebody who can who can. You know, do the defensive side to a, to an extent, but also take players on, put incisive passes through. Um, I'd like to see Bruno play a little bit higher up the pitch personally, but we for that to happen, Newcastle would need to bring in a, a, a top quality replacement. And I don't honestly think that there is much better in not just in the Premier League, but also in Europe across Europe than currently than than Declan Rice. I know some some people don't rate him. You know, I've had conversations over over the last few days with people who who don't who don't rate him as highly as what I do, um, which is fine. That's football. It's all about it's all about opinions. I think he and I've thought this for two or three years, and I've said it for two or three years. I think he's absolutely top draw. He's he's athletic. He he's he's some of his positioning on on Saturday night um, was outstanding. Not just in terms of winning the ball back, but just. If you if you if you watch the game, some of the the positions that he took up, which block a pass, which stop a pass from from happening, it didn't result in an interception, but it just meant that the player on the ball had to then stall the progression, had to turn away because he blocked that that path off, he blocked that avenue off into into a, a pass into the forward players. He's I think he's absolutely yeah, outstanding. He's going to go for he's going to go for big big money in the summer, absolutely huge money. It could be. It could be a, a record British transfer fee um, that he goes for. Him and Jude Bellingham will, will both have a lot of um, a lot of money spent on them this summer. I'd love to see Newcastle go in for them. Whether they can afford that at this point in time in 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 the in the club's kind of development, um, I don't know because you you will be talking three figures, you know, more than three figures. We're talking hundred million plus, I think. Um, and it's a lot of money to pay for a holding midfielder, a defensive midfielder. I do get that. But I think he's absolutely outstanding. Yeah, definitely is. Talk a little bit about Callum Wilson as well. We've spoken about him obviously on the show. Um, you know, it, it was great to see him. You know, hitting the back of the net again. And you know, he should have had a hat trick, Ross. He should have done. He should have done. Um, looked really sharp. Looked looked the sharp sharpest that he that we've seen him probably um, since the World Cup. I thought. You know, he took his goal really well. And he's got a good record against against um, West Ham. He took his goal really really well. It was just. Frustrating, I suppose, and, and disappointing that he couldn't take one of those two chances in in the second half. Um, because chances are we're few and far between in that game, and, and you know, two really presentable chances. I thought he, he should have got his his shot away. Whether that's a little bit of rustiness or or a bit of tiredness creeping in at, at that point, he should have got his his shot away once. Um, once. Anthony Gordon fed him, fed him through. Maybe he's even cut across the defender and, and gone with his left foot. But it was a great chance that. And then the header was a really good opportunity as well. So great to see him back on the on the score sheet. He'll be kicking himself. I'm sure that he didn't take one of those 
one of those other opportunities. Newcastle just need to be would they just need to get that clinical edge back um, and um, and put games to to bed because, like I said earlier on, they're not going to keep every game. Newcastle aren't going to keep a clean sheet. There will be games where the opposition do score, and Newcastle are going to have to find a way of of winning games and scoring more than just one or one or two goals. It's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see what what Eddie Howe does with with Callum Wilson over the next couple or three weeks. You know, if if Alexander Izak is back and and fit and everything else like that, it does create a little bit of a, a headache because Izak is is a sixty million pound player who would be knocking on the door. He won't want to be coming off the bench. It creates a, another another option and, and it creates another headache for for Eddie Howe. But he loves Callum Wilson. He really really. Rates him. He likes what he provides for the for the team, other than his goals as well. His work rate and his pressing and his his hold up play. Um, so, Callum Wilson's the man with the shirt, and, and it was great to see him back on the score sheet. But um, but he, he knows he's got Alexander Isak breathing down his neck, and he's he's got to keep keep performing and keep delivering for Newcastle. Yeah, it's great for us to have that kind of competition though up front, you know, and I'm sure we'll get more exciting players in, in the summer. Jordy Tumbalais, a serious question, Ross. Do Sky sponsor Man U in any way? Far more coverage than any other club. And I, I don't just mean games. Interviews, for example. He, um, they get full coverage. We get a few minutes of Eddie. I'll tell you what it is. It's very, very simple. Whether we like it or not, Man United have got the biggest fan base in the country, they've got the biggest fan base across the world. If you are a media outlet who need who want viewers, who want people watching their content, who want people um, reading their newspapers or or on their websites or or you know logging on watching watching matches or interviews or anything else like that, you're going to focus in on the big clubs. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna give them big clubs more. Um, more coverage simply because they've got more fans who want to watch that sort of stuff. It's it's not it's it's fairly it's fairly simple economics really. If you've got a if you do a, an interview with um, I don't know Gary O'Neill at Bournemouth, not as many people are going to watch that interview as an Eric Ten Hag interview with um, with Sky Sports because Man United have got more fans than, than Bournemouth. It's just it's it's simple as that. I know people think there's a bias or there's or there's other things. It's just really basic kind of simple economics at play with with the media. I'm afraid. Yeah, I, 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 you've nailed it. Really, to be honest, but yeah, it does feel like that. Uh, it really does. Tom says, "Great show, thank you very much, mate." Um, you know, it, it's always good to get uh, you know the, the people in the chat. Um, great questions, etc. It's been great to have everybody on this morning. Uh, Paul says, so any Castle United podcast yesterday talking about moving from St. James's Park if we can't redevelop a Gallagher then and the Leeses Terrace. Yeah, I, I think that would be a last option, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I think I think we want to make, I think everybody pretty much around the fan base and, and around the club wants to exhaust every option, every possible option of staying at, at St. James's Park. It's an iconic stadium. It's in, a, an, in an iconic location. Um, you know, we've seen some fantastic stadiums be be built elsewhere. New stadiums, you know, the the new Spurs stadium and uh, and the Emirates Arsenal and, and you know various others that that we could go through. There's, there's some fantastic um, stadiums around the country these days that have that have been built on different locations or close to to um, the same location. But yeah, 
I think everybody wants to stay at St James's Park just purely for for the the history and the uh, the location that it is. Okay, Karma Corner. Good morning. Good to see you on the football chat. He says, "What's people's thoughts on the white card for good sportsmanship? Currently only used in Portugal. Seems to me the free use of drugs in Portugal has made them think it's a good idea." Uh, Karma, I love your humour. Um, from my perspective, um, I, I had to laugh when I saw this. Um, I, I had to do a little bit of in-depth you know, reading about it first. But yeah, a white card for good sportsmanship. I don't think um, Newcastle United with the uh, shithousery, as we'll call it, uh, Ross, will be getting many white cards if it comes in in this country. No, no. I've, I've, I saw it very briefly um, a couple of days ago. I've, I've not looked into it in, in, any, uh, in, any, in any depth. I haven't done any reading up on it. So I've difficult to comment. But yeah, Newcastle won't be getting any, any white cards. You know, I can't see... I can't can't see Anthony Gordon or, or Miggy Almiron or anyone else like that picking up uh, picking up you know Dan Byrne or, or Kieran Trippier picking up white cards for, for good sportsmanship. Um it, it's you know I don't know, I don't know. It, 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 on the flip side as well, you know, we, so with Wickham on, on Saturday we had a we had a sin bin, you know, we had a, a player sin bin, which you know is for, for verbals and stuff like that. Is that something that could be brought into to the Premier League as well? Do you think at some point some sort of Sin bin uh, option where where it's it's you know for stuff that's that that's not worthy of a, a red card but you know you just need to give a player a, a bit of time out you know these things will kind of keep keep being floated these ideas are keep being floated white cards yellow cards orange cards sin bins all sorts of, of different different developments but uh, I've not really looked into the, the Portugal one much I'll, I'll have to have a read I did have to read it because I. <laughs> It, it, it'll be one of those things which people say is woke. Then you know, um, you know, it, it will end up in one of those kind of arguments. So I, I thought I would steer clear of it, but I might bring it up on the three amigos. That should be interesting. Right. Sky showing what's coming up: sport, why show rugby, tennis, golf, etc. Then show a, clo- a clip of the Carabao Cup with only a Man United clip, no Newcastle. Jody, to my life, you're doing your head in about this. Sparky D says, "White card. What's the point?" Yep, Casemiro should be banned until the 27th of February, says Alan. Uh, that's just after the cup final now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and John says, uh, Arteta would love it as we sportingly wave Saka through our defence to score. Spiffing shot, young man. Now see if you can score another. <laughs> Taking it to the extremes. I hope uh, you're recovering from COVID, John, by the way. Uh, Ross, uh, great morning as always. Uh, as I say, the chat have been fantastic. They've been on fire with questions this morning. Uh, and we got there in the end with your internet. Look forward to having you on uh, again next week. Where can people find your work, Ross? Yeah, doing loads of bits and pieces. We've got um, just a, a quick one for the for the Chronicle. Actually, a quick plug for for the Chronicle. We're going to have um, a forty eight page uh, special print edition um, previewing the the Carabao Cup final, first cup final in twenty four years. So um, give that one. That'll be in, available in all good news agents, as the saying goes. But we also um, may have as well coming up. Well, I think we do have a, a, a couple of competitions to win win pairs of tickets for Wembley as well for for people who haven't managed to um, to secure them. So keep an eye out on the on the chronicle for those things as well. Yeah, great stuff. All right, mate. I will see you next Tuesday. Take care. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, everyone.